Welcome to My Life in Games with Silas and Sage. And this is our very first episode, so uh, please forgive us because it's mostly just going to be us bullshitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's begin. So first off, um, a little bit about uh, what we're going to do besides just the, the average bullshit in the direction we're going to go here. Uh, it's mostly games, of course, obviously. And uh, kind of some recent uh, recent games and also uh, some reminiscing, some things that relate, uh, stuff like that, right? Absolutely. I've got a lot of experience going back into the old games, uh, you and you and I, Silas. I yes. think we've got uh, plenty of comparisons that we can make. I'd say a good, uh, what, 17 years? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Wow, yeah. has it been 17 years? Yes. All right, so let's, let's dive right in. Um, first off, I just want to kind of hit on a topic you may not have been watching. Uh, I know everyone's kind of a different kind of a systems fan. You're mostly Xbox. Um, I know back in the day you used to play some Nintendo, right? Some different I did. You know, uh, N64, that good stuff. That was probably the glory days right there. As N64 was, you know, where Nintendo kind of peaked, and then after that it kind of like dropped off. Uh, you know, GameCube was kind of eh, and we, of course, you know, it did okay, but you know, Nintendo's been kind of slowly kind of having this downward uh, uh, grade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, I would say I, I with probably how, peaked in N64 myself, yeah. Yeah, with, with the home consoles. But, uh, you know, handheld, they've done great. They've uh, given a good spanking. Um, but uh, whether or not you've been paying attention or not, Nintendo does have a new system launching shortly, uh, the Switch. Um, have you heard or do you do you know anything uh, about that at this point? I have heard about the Switch, and I'll be honest, I'm I'm excited about it. But uh, from afar, like you said earlier, was, N64 was the peak for me, and uh, and I, I think I got into GameCube a little bit, basically for Fantasy Star Universe, uh, being a big Fantasy Star Online fan from the Dreamcast days. Uh, I followed that into GameCube, and uh, and from there, I don't know. I I had a a Wii. Um, and it was great for bowling while it was kitschy and everything, but it didn't it didn't make me excited about this next console. Uh, I know there's some really big fans out there of of uh, the Switch coming up. I know Eric's Eric's has done a, a ton of stuff about the Switch, and uh, and he's really excited about. It. I don't I don't know. It just I don't know a lot about it. So I'll let you go ahead and talk a bit about it. All right. Well, for me, I'm I'm kind of a, a two minds when it comes to the Switch. I I do want one at some point. And, um, you know, it does look very interesting. Uh, part of what's really caught my attention is the, uh, it's the portability effect. And I think that's part of what's caught a lot of people's attention is the high quality of games that you can also take on the go. So, you know, maybe, you know, dentist office and you're waiting, you know, whatever, waiting for your car's oil change, et cetera, so on and so forth. You'd be sitting there playing some games. Maybe you take 30 minute shits, you know, you can play your games. <laughs> You know, you don't got to stop. Just grab the system out, out of the thing and go and do your business and then, you know, come back. Of course, for some for some guys, uh, their wives might not like this very much because they'll disappear probably for an hour and a half. What are you doing mm -hmm. in the bathroom that long? It's like, well, you know, you do take a long time with your makeup and stuff in the morning. So this is just my time now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was pondering, pondering life's questions. Like, yes. can I get to this next level? <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, uh, some of the other things that are... Um, have have me excited for the Switch is the fact that finally once again, like the glory days, uh, Nintendo finally has some solid third party support, like a lot of third party support from you know big companies, Bethesda, Square Enix, you know the list goes on. You think of a of a company that's recently put out some 
high-quality AAA games, and they're on board with making some Switch games. And, and that, to me, is, is, is a very good start. I feel that that is, um, you know, it's, it's a good way to get things going, and I think that'll help bring some people back. I do feel that a lot of people are still like you. You know, we're on edge. Even myself, there's a lot of things that's like, well, is this really, is this going to be another Wii or even worse, Wii U? You know, uh, while that system wasn't wasn't bad, it just it was it, it kind of started off shit right out the gate, and it just didn't do well. Um, part of the problem with that also relies in Nintendo's messaging. Their messaging is fucking catastrophic. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. I'm just, they're they're not good with communicating a lot of stuff that they should communicate. Yeah, they they tell you some things. But a lot of people, you know, especially in this day and age, we need, you know, we want to know a lot of things ahead of time. And this thing's going to launch in a few weeks and people are still questioning how exactly is the voice chat going to work? Because they have this app and stuff that lets you control certain things about making parties and stuff like that. But is there going to be a native app on the system or is it all going to be through this damn app on your fucking phone? You know, and, and you know, so there's a lot of questions there and that has a lot of people kind of on edge and we still don't know. And it's, 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 it launches March 3rd. That yeah. that that kind of thing is the, is the stuff that doesn't bode real well. But as an overall whole, there are interesting things that has me interested in how I almost order I almost pre-ordered one just so I could get it and fiddle around with it right away. However, once again, Nintendo's messaging is bad, and I'm not sure if this is something they're doing as a way to um, create more hype around it or what. But the pre-orders is one of the quickest selling out things I've ever seen on a pre-order of a system in my life. It was up for pre-order from when they announced pre-orders being available, like not even 24 hours on Amazon. And it was already like no longer available for pre-order. Wow. I feel like if I, if I could just say, I feel like that that's Nintendo's niche. They're, they're the, the OG Peter Molyneux of fable. They are the original gangsters of hype. And they they rely quite a bit on that um, that hole in one niche uh, gaming strategy, and, and so you do see a lot of the, the lack of communication on their part, and you can see where it hurts them. I, in my opinion, i.e., the Wii U um, and Nintendo GameCube. While it was a it was a cool little machine for a couple of games, it was kind of a forgettable system, and. Um, I think that does make a lot of people wary in an information age, just like you said, when we want more information, we want to know um, gaming is the industry has changed so much. You have gamers and uh, streamers that make a living off of unboxing videos off of uh, reviews, and they need to know where they're going to be uh, putting their money for the next system to come out. You know, if they're going to prioritize PlayStation or prioritize PlayStation five over Xbox 11, um, or if they're going to put their, their 300 bucks in, in a DS five, or if Sega Dreamcast or Sega comes out with a new system, they need to know that kind of thing. So they're making money off of this. They have revenue coming in and they're budgeting for these new systems. They need to know what its capabilities are. They need to know what, um, it, what it's going to be able to do as far as content creation for them. That's a really big deal. And I don't know if it's a strategy that's going to keep them going. I I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. It sounds really cool, but uh, we'll yeah. stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I was disappointed just like with the, that, uh, that pre-order mess, because on one hand it's like, is this really 
a shortage of systems? Is it really selling that much? Or are they intentionally holding back to create that problem? And if so, that's terrible. Uh, especially nowadays, you, you want to give people, if they people want to pre-order and have it right away, you want all those people to have it right away because if it's solid and, and good and you have that much faith in your product, then, you know, everyone's going to, you know, that's going to have it and they're going to tell their friends, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you can't keep doing the old school strategy from fucking 1995 and not say dick all and expect people to still go for it because you're Nintendo. I mean, well, to be fair, they, <laughs> they did really hit a hole in one. No, you're absolutely right. I think they, they did hit a hole in one with a Wii. Um, that was crazy. I worked in a big box retailer for eight years, and uh, it was during the release of the Wii and the, the two or three years that it remained popular as the number one uh, selling console, at least in my store. We were constantly out of the Wii. Nobody wanted Xbox. Nobody wanted PlayStation. Um, it was extremely popular. That saved, in my opinion, saved their brand. I think they're looking for another hole in one with with this and I, you well, know they could do it but i don't know well the thing is is the the three the nintendo 3ds which has been of course revamped a, a couple of times uh well of course they start off as a ds so on and so forth has, the, the portable side of nintendo has carried them for well years you know yes the Wii did good which which helped but outside of that everything's still you know uh, the mobile platform uh you know essentially after the Wii U's popularity died down, you know, and they just didn't uh, fully utilize the system or, or whatever the case may be, uh, whether it's games or, or whatever, but their their portable side of things has always been strong, and, and that's carried them, but they can't count on that to carry them forever. I mean, yes, the 3DS is, is a fun little system, but especially nowadays when people want better graphics and things like that, you can't keep giving me sub-480p graphics on any kind of machine and expect me to keep buying it. Yeah, and that's you know part of the reason why yeah the Wii U did good. The Wii U was actually again a, a very nice system, but their messaging was was terrible, just freaking terrible. I mean, it's a strong little system. The graphics are pretty nice. Uh, you know, the way it works is, is is neat, but a lot of people just got it confused as a Wii add-on, and that's uh, part of what killed that system to begin with. And then some people are just spec whores, and and well, yes, it is it is it's good to know specs out front. But it's not always uh, begin all end all as long as the games are fun, and that's one thing you can count on Nintendo for is their games are pretty solid. All their first party stuff is is solid and pretty uh pretty bug free, pretty close to it, or at least you know very limited in comparison to a lot of other releases that we could talk about. Some games that are uh, horrifically bug ridden upon release. Um, at least Nintendo is very good about not having that. But again, you can't count entirely on first party support, so it is nice to see that third party there, but. There's so many questions that are still, you know, unanswered. They they haven't answered. They teased a lot of stuff, and it's great. We got to know certain things when they had their little uh, showing, you know, a month and a half ago or however long ago it was when they actually finally said, okay, this is what it is. These are some of the launch titles, you know. Here's what you can pre-order now. But then again, back to the, the first thing, you know, a lot of people couldn't even get a pre-order because they were sold out so damn fast everywhere. I mean, I've been on a... Let me know when it's available again. List through Amazon and several other things: Walmart, GameStop, Target, etc. Uh, pretty much since the day after launch, because I decided to actually go to sleep that night and try to pre-order it the next day after work. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's uh, that that's a little aggravating, but you know it, it has a, a lot of of good possibilities. They finally have a system that's fully uh, HD. Finally. 
you know, uh, 1080p on, on your screen. And of course, on the go, it's 720, which is great. So it would actually be more stronger than uh, a Vita or pretty much any portable console out there right now, which is awesome. Uh, so that, that'll, that'll be interesting to see the fact that it uses uh, flashcards uh, for its games is nice because that'll keep your load times minimal. And uh, honestly, if this does well, I think it'll help flash memory go down in price because you're having a, a specific company like Nintendo using so much of it to you know, produce the games and everything, uh, things like SSDs and you know, anything else solid state like that will uh, help drop that, which is a good thing. You, you, we want faster load times. We want our shit now. We're consumers, and we're in this age where give it to me now, and I want it now, and we get it a lot of times. We got spoiled. <laughs> so discs, uh, well, something, you- something not using discs is... Uh, it's great. And sorry, go it, ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm looking at it from an angle, like, and not to beat a dead horse here. And, and I'm definitely not a Nintendo hater. I, I love Nintendo. I love the, the unique games that they come out with. I, I love that they protect their, their, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> they protect their brand yeah. in a big way. They're very protective of their brand. And I think that's what saved it uh, and kept their, their games very interesting and engaging and i like that but they haven't so granted i haven't taken a look at all the the deep statistics of this but just from what you're saying it's a very nintendo move to use technology that is already available by standards that have been established for the past few years let's face it you go back to the wii um, poor Wii right now is being a scapegoat. I'm sorry, Wii. I love you. Um, but the the Wii came out and had the worst graphics available on on any platform. It was the worst looking. But people played it because it was fun, and that was the that was the niche. You know, you had the motion, and that was awesome. Um, so we're getting really, really excited. I'm just playing devil's advocate. We're getting really excited and hyped up about a console that uses today's technology that's by Nintendo, which we would expect as a standard in Xbox. We would expect that as a standard in PlayStation. But we're really hyped up and excited about it in a Nintendo game because they're notorious for not using um, the latest, greatest technology for whatever reason. Um, I just, I, they're either the, the most incredibly genius uh, developer ever for getting us hyped about something that already exists or... <laughs> or they're the worst ever uh, for keeping us completely in the dark and then selling us shit that already exists. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of <laughs> kind of on the fence right now about this, but I'm done. Sage is done. <laughs> That's okay. And, and don't mind us. Uh, I guess we should have put a disclaimer in here. We drink before we start uh, our show, so <laughs> and during the show. So don't mind us. We're just a couple of uh, <laughs> you know mid thirties guys <laughs> drinking and talking shit. <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> but that's half the fun. Uh, okay, so I think what we're going to do now is we'll, we'll move on from, uh, from Nintendo uh, right now. I think we've said, a, said enough about that for the, for the time being, but I'm sure it's something we'll come back to in uh, future episodes because one day I might actually get my hands on one of these damn things. <laughs> I'd be yeah. able to play it and have more to say. Uh, you know. Uh, so moving on, uh, other stuff coming up, uh, things we've been playing. Um, all right, so one one game you're you're a big fan of. You've probably played more than I have in recent months due to just uh, you know my own uh, personal situations. Uh, but it's still going pretty strong, which is something I like to see in a game. Not a whole lot of games keep their strength after release uh, for a long period of time. Is the division? How are you feeling about that? And you know the latest uh, releases and, and upcoming stuff and where it's headed and all that. 
Uh, I feel great. First, first off, right off the bat. So guys, 1.6 is coming up. 1.6 update is going to be huge. Just the last DLC that's going to be uh, available for the division for this season. Um, and we, we're not exactly sure what's coming up. If we're going to have a division two, or if we're going to have year two content like, uh, D uh, destiny did, there's a lot of gray, vague area about that. But this latest update is the last stand last stand is an amazing update. I had an opportunity not to play the physical game mode on PTS, but just play, um, the rest of the open world game see what the changes are to the gear set, see what the changes are to uh, some of the physics of the game. Probably the, the wrong word to use for that, but some of the playability, there were a lot of changes in week two PTS that didn't make it into week three and then the final product that we're going to see. But overall, they're going in a great direction to balance the game and make it more fun to play, make it more viable for um, skill power builds and whatever your build is, you can really customize it quite a bit more um, with the way they've balanced the new update. And that's supposed to be coming out uh, this Tuesday, as a matter of fact, um, which is really exciting. It's, I have played this game, I don't know, maybe 15 to, to 20 days worth of time. I've got a lot of time into this and I have, I've seen the hashtags, hashtag this game is dead or hashtag the division who plays the division anymore. And, uh, a lot of people this is a an absolutely phenomenal game it has taken up a great deal of my time over other games uh, i think a, a, a big reason not just because of the the storyline in the game or how how the game works but also the tremendous community is a part of it so it definitely keeps my time and i think the division overall is in a great place um to build for future whether in that that ends up being a division two or that ends up being year two, you know, DLC. However, that ends up happening. It's definitely a game to keep your eye on. It's um, you've seen a lot of people that had quit with, with some of the destiny syndrome. Um, they're coming back. And uh, I think it's, it's gaining that gravity. It's gaining mass and, and you're going to see a lot more people orbiting around, <laughs> orbiting around this game it is a phenomenal game and it just keeps on giving so as you can tell i'm a little bit of a division fanboy all right so but but with that um you know there are several other games coming up very soon that are releasing um how is that uh, gonna divide your time with the division or is the division just you know something you're still gonna be your, your primary game or when some of the other games come out is it gonna kind of become a little bit secondary while you focus on whatever this new game is that you're playing because we've got a couple of them coming out um, so I thought that, uh, the new Wildlands was going to be a competing priority, to be honest with you. I've been, I've been playing the beta on that quite a bit. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Tom Clancy fan in general anyway. And, um, I thought that that was going to be competing for me after playing the beta found out that it is not going to be competing for me. And uh, I won't go into specific reasons as to why. I, I encourage anybody to go ahead and play it. There's there's a lot of people on either side of the fence <laughs> that they either yeah, love it or reading. they hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, me, I'm I'm not a big fan. I, I don't think I would purchase it at full price. But um, if it comes down on sale, I definitely pick it up. But I don't see it competing with the division anytime soon. Um, were there any games in mind for for you that you're looking forward to coming up? Oh, there there are several. One of which, speaking of this Tuesday, uh, since you know I'm a PlayStation guy, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. 
That's coming out on Tuesday. I probably won't actually play it till later in the week due to the fact that I work every day, very long shifts, so I probably won't actually touch it until closer to the weekend, but I'm, I've been looking forward to this game. It's by Guerrilla Games. Uh, it's an open world RPG. It's just some, the first time they've ever made an open world RPG. Uh, they made all the uh, Killzone games. I loved Killzone, the previous Killzones, and of course I loved, uh, I played it for a good almost two years when the, when the first, uh, when Shadowfall came out on PlayStation 4 upon release, I played the shit out of Division. I didn't think I was going to put as much time into it as I did, and I played it with friends. We had a good time with it for a very, very long time. That was that was my weekend go-to game when I wasn't playing an RPG or an action-adventure game or racing or, or whatever, uh, you know. Killzone was, was what I played, so Guerrilla Games makes some pretty pretty solid games. The game had its flaws. We won't get into what happens with launch titles. We can talk about that another time. But overall, <laughs> um, very, very solid game for what it was for being a launch title and everything else. Uh, one of the best uh, games that was on PS4 when it, when it first came out. And, uh, and Guerrilla Games always puts a lot of hard work into their games. They try to make it as solid as possible, so I have a lot of... Um, a lot of I almost I don't want to say hope, but uh, good intent. I, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is, but uh, higher higher than usual expectations. Yes, there we go. Perhaps. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, for for this game, just because it it is Guerrilla Games, and from what I've seen, it it looks flipping amazing. It's also the first um, PS4 game that has actually been made and designed with the PS4 Pro in mind, not like uh, where they've made some adjustments afterward and they thought, okay, well, we're going to make it more compatible to use some, some of the power, but they're, they're actually, you know, uh, from, from a developer uh, point, actually had the, the PS4 Pro in mind and, and, and optimized it as best they could for the Pro and uh, actually have a PS4 Pro. So for me, that's going to be really awesome to, to play this game on there. Hopefully it, it doesn't bomb out or need like a uh, eight gig day one patch or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about this game until maybe forty-eight hours ago, and I will just say that the the PlayStation community is going nuts on Twitter over this game. I, I've known nothing about it, but only because of what I've seen the past forty-eight hours do I, I know what you're talking about. And people are are loving it. Like they're they're really excited about this game. There's actually um, one of the one of the guys I've played Division with, and a, and a, an excellent streamer who bought a PlayStation Pro just so he could play this game, and that speaks volumes to the potential. So I, I think the higher than than the usual expectations is probably good, seeing how the community is reacting to it. Uh, yeah, uh, I think one of the one of the big draws to it is just the fact that it's, it's very different from a lot of other games that we've played that are open world, you know. Um, it, it's, it's got a lot of a different feel. It's got that sci-fi futuristic thing, but it's also got that, backwater apocalyptic world thing going on and it's just got a lot of different things thrown together and the fact that you're i like the fact that there's a strong female lead uh you don't see a whole lot of that where it's actually done well and from what i've seen it looks like they did a pretty good job of it i mean we'll just have to see them outside of the more recent tomb raiders i thought were actually really good as far as uh, how, how they did that the the reboots uh, i thought those were pretty pretty damn good but anyway outside of that you don't you don't see a lot of you know, real good, strong female leads, and I think I think we need that, especially considering there's getting to be more. Uh, number one, more female uh, gamers seem to be a little bit more prominent these days than, than it used to be, um, which is which is great. It, it's great as a whole community that you're getting, uh, you know, less 
biased with things and it's not just you know 14 year old males playing video games you know now we're in an age where almost everybody plays a game of some sort even if it's on their phone it's still a damn video game you know so it's exactly it's uh it's really cool to see to see something like this where they're taking so many different things and just they're saying okay well we're doing all this stuff and we're blending it together and from what it looks like they did hopefully a damn good job if not that's gonna be very very disappointed and then you're gonna have an angry mob and and no one's going to trust Guerrilla Games for, for years if this fucking bobs. I mean, you know how the internet is. There will be much hate everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, I, let me say this. I, I can't say that I've, I've heard, again, of, of, uh, of Guerrilla Games, but I, I have a tendency to lean more towards a game developer that's not as huge. You're, you're not relying on, like, uh, okay, say Halo 3 or Halo 4 comes out. Microsoft can have a flop, and they're going to survive. Uh, because they're so huge, but you you have a smaller developer that's really putting their all into delivering a great product. I'm I'm going to lean more towards them putting out a superior product right off the bat than say a large developer. So I, you know, I, just from what you're saying, man, it sounds good. So yeah, yeah, Guerrilla Game Games has been around for a while, but like you said, they're not as huge as you know, uh, you know the the Halo studio, you know, or any or a lot of other larger studios are just. They've always been a smaller studio, but they've always put out, again, quality product. They've just never done an open-world RPG. So it's exciting to see them do something different, and and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's – hopefully it'll be a really good game, and I'll get sucked in and, you know, do nothing but after work sit there and play this damn game. I hope it sucks me in like that, and I'm just sitting there just, you know, glued to it. You know, that, that would be awesome. Um, aside from that, moving on uh, into another subject, though, uh, enough about Horizon, another game coming up not even about a month not quite a month after you know this game comes out we have toward the end of march mass effect andromeda holy shit anybody who's been a mass effect fan has been waiting for a new mass effect game well since since they finished number three which everybody has very different opinions about some people really liked Mass Effect 3. Some people hated it with a passion because they didn't have enough brain cells to put together the ending and just weren't expecting what happened at the end of Mass Effect 3 when really, come on, you kind of knew where this was going to go. So for me, I, I didn't hate Mass Effect 3 as much as some people. Uh, but uh, overall, the game was still good regardless of how you felt about the endings. But Mass Effect Andromeda has a lot of potential, and I like what, um, what Bioware is doing as far as the story. They're completely distancing it from while well, it's in the same universe they're distancing it from Shepard and everything you did in the in, in the first three games this is going to be a new trilogy or quadrology or whatever the hell they're planning all on its own and that's and that's great and I know that it, they're going to do a good job I've always been a big fan of of Bioware's work since uh you know Knights of the Old Republic uh <laughs> that right there is pretty oh, much yeah. the beginning of, of of my history with with uh, it's going oh Bioware is my friend <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they've they've done a good job, and then of course you know the Mass Effect games. I've played those now. So um, I know you haven't really played Mass Effect, but your lady has, and everything. So for you, the hype is probably not quite nearly the same as it is for someone who is a big fan of the uh, the trilogy. But uh, from your standpoint, how how do you feel about the new Mass Effect game coming up, and or because of you know your significant other? playing it and being into it how's that for you <laughs> so she is she is at the point uh she's playing the mass effect 2 i believe right now and she's at the point of the story where you just unlock saeed and um i can tell you that last night she was she wasn't this far along and i was already sold on how amazing this game is um unfortunately mass effect 1 is not 
backwards compatible on Xbox One yet, so I didn't get to see that story. However, uh, seeing this from so far, Soup to Nuts, Mass Effect is an amazing game, and I am I am looking forward to not only playing the backstory and getting caught up on one through three, but seeing what this new Mass Effect is going to be like. And I will definitely be all up in that. I'm I'm actually kind of kicking myself that I wasn't in it sooner. Where have I been? Yeah, she's she's looking at me right now. She's saying, "I told you, I told you." It is really good, and I've I've missed out on some great times playing this game. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, just a suggestion when you do get the time to play it. I know you don't want to probably rebuy it, but if you want to play the first one all the way through and play it at its best, get it on your PC, man, uh, for two reasons. Um, obviously, because the PC are going to have slightly higher graphics, but also because you can do mods, and there's a lot of, the community's released a lot of like HD texture packs and things like that. If you hit up uh, Nexus mods, you can get all kinds of great stuff for Mass Effect 1 and 2 to make the graphics more on par with like, Mass Effect 3, so it, it'll, it won't be such a jar when you go from, you know, because there was a lot of time in between each game, and you can tell the difference uh, graphically, so you can apply those mods, and it'll be a lot more, uh, even more of a pretty experience, not to say that the story wasn't great, it was, but, you know, games show their age after a while, and it's nice that uh, the game was popular enough that the community made a bunch of HD texture mods and things like that to help keep it, uh, you know, keep it with some replay value, aside from the fact that there's so many different endings and paths you could take, and it was freaking awesome. Yeah, that's and by the way, that's a big shout out to the guys who do that. That is real love right now. If you if you go back in to take the time and re-edit textures, uh, you're a boss. And especially the folks that go back in there and, and edit in brand new story. Holy cow, there are some old games that I've come across, just just sidebarring conversation, some old games I've come across where the added content that these guys come up with is absolutely incredible that takes some real dedication so great it's a great idea dude i'll definitely do that all right yeah we'll continue with, with mass effect for for a little bit um some a lot of reasons i'm, I'm excited for it, aside from the fact that i like what bioware's doing as far as um you know uh separating the story so there's a, there's a huge huge gap so that way you know everything with shepherd is done and in, in, in everything uh the this new stuff is just it, it just looks it looks pretty as fuck. I'm just going to throw that out there. It looks pretty as hell. It does from what I've seen. And this is another one of those games that is also taking the PS4 Pro uh, in mind first. So I'm very excited to be able to play that and the fact that I have the Pro. Granted, I don't have a 4K TV. I know. Someone's probably going to freaking, like, why? you idiot? Why do you have a Pro if you don't have a 4K TV? Uh, and that's because even if, for those, if you're playing on a 1080p TV, if you have the PS4 Pro... Um, You'll, you'll get uh, better frame rates and things like that. And for a person who's been playing a lot of games on PC and you get used to 60 frames a second and things like that, and you go back to console where you're getting 30, you notice it. And that's the nice thing about having the pros. A lot of games, uh, you know, are now playing at, you know, 60 frames and things like that that I've gotten used to on PC and or higher textures and, and things like that. If you're playing uh, using the PS4 Pro to play your games, then, you know, especially with the new ones coming out like this, they're going to be at their at their best, I guess is what you can say. I'm going to get the, the best experience out of, out of the PlayStation version of this game. Although I'll be honest, I'm probably also going to buy it on PC. So that way I can play it with, uh, cause I know several people that are getting it on PC as well. Um, and the fact that there's the multiplayer component, um, which Mass Effect 3 had, but um, by my understanding, the multiplayer in uh, the multiplayer co-op is a lot, uh, there's a lot more to it 
in Andromeda than there was in the uh, separate multiplayer that was in Mass Effect 3. So I'm also very, very excited for that whole section of it as well and to see how all that works and, and comes together. Hell, uh, if you get it, then, uh, you know, maybe we could uh, we could do some co-op in there and, and that'd be a good time. I'm down. I'm completely down. <laughs> Granted, there would be alcohol involved, but if anybody's ever watched my streams from like a couple years ago, there was always <laughs> alcohol involved. <laughs> and speaking of streaming, not that I'm guaranteeing anything, but I'm, I am thinking about uh, doing some streams again, not on a necessarily overly regular basis, but once in a while when I have some free time in between um, this show here. And of course, uh, I as if anybody's been watching i actually started my new show on my youtube because i'm bringing that back so i got a couple different projects going on but as i have time i'm thinking about reincorporating streaming back into my existence so that'll be fun <laughs> all aboard the hype train silas is back i didn't even hear that so you guys are hearing that first silas didn't even tell me that before we started the show what's up with that man i'm your bro <laughs> that's well, awesome got, gotta keep some things you know a surprise man you know um yeah as far as streaming goes uh, on that topic, you know, I still have my Twitch channel. Um, everybody knows that I also stream to YouTube a few times. I am going to check out Beam. Um, as far as where my actual streaming home is going to be, I'm not sure yet. I want to test out the platforms, and it's also going to just depend on how often I end up streaming. If I end up streaming kind of regularly every so often and it's kind of and it becomes a more regular, I'll probably pick one platform over the other to kind of stick with. Um, but it's also going to depend on the, on the community and, you know, if I try this one out, which one, which platform I like and things like that. Twitch of course is always, is always there. They're, they're the number one, you know, platform for streamers because there's just so many people on there that can come and watch and things like that. But it's not just about that. I also look at the quality I can put out and, and people being able to enjoy it later and things like that. Of course I do have YouTube, so I always uh, locally record. I can upload, you know, whatever the case may be. I want to make sure that if someone is interested in seeing whatever game I was streaming, that, uh, that they'll be able to, you know, catch up or, or whatever so I, I may even end up multi-streaming I, I don't know we'll we'll see how that goes <laughs> nice uh the first uh thing i actually plan on streaming um hopefully if all go well goes well my next weekend off after i get uh, horizon zero dawn i actually plan on uh, streaming some of that probably that'll be my first stream is horizon that's what i want to do assuming i don't end up hating it and or breaking controller because i find out that the game is really really hard <laughs> <laughs> so, that might make for a good show though for a live stream <laughs> yeah, watch silas true. break his controller <laughs> yes watch watch silas rage and break controllers <laughs> see but you know that what I what I respect about you, what I respect about you right now is the fact that you said you would break your controller over overthrowing your drink. And that is respect for alcohol <laughs> that I've always appreciated <laughs> always appreciated about you. I won't throw my drink and I won't break my bottle of booze, but I will throw my hundred and fifty dollar elite controller. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's replaceable. Hooch is not. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Oh, good times. What have you been playing right now, Silas, if I can ask? Oh, what's, what, what's been uh, your big time consumer right now? Actually, I just finished it. I was playing through Tales of Berseria, which I did mention in my uh, my YouTube video. I just finished that mm -hmm. uh, the other night. So um, I'm happy I got that finished before Horizon drops. But I actually had a lot of fun with that. I liked this Tales a lot better than Tales of Zestiria, the previous Tales game. 
I thought the story was more, well, yes, it's still, it's still got a lot of basic tales things in there that are kind of repetitive, but series just do that. That just happens. There's certain things that, that, that come up. But what I liked about this one, I thought was a bit more engaging was, um, it's more, uh, your characters are more anti-hero based for the, your protagonist and everything. You're kind of more the opposite. While you're not necessarily evil, you do a lot of shit that in a lot of, you know, hero type games, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't just be going around fucking murdering people because you can. And this, in, in Tales of for sure, your, your lady, your lead lady there, she's just killing people to get to her end goal. She wants re- revenge on, on a douchebag and uh, she's going to get it. And if you're in the way, well, you're dead. Sorry. That's life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was just, yeah, it sounds cruel and mean, but uh, from a gaming standpoint, it's just refreshing instead of the always, you know, oh, happy-go-lucky, poppy, yes, oh, we can't hurt these people, we can't do this, you know, that's the wrong thing, blah, blah, shut up, okay? Give me something a little bit more exciting once in a while. I mean, yeah, you don't want to be, not necessarily dark, but darker all the time, but, you know, once in a while, it's it's refreshing to play something, especially in, in the Tales series, where most of your, your protagonists throughout the Tales series have always been more on, like I said, the, the lighter side has always been more light and bubbly and stuff, so it's nice to have the, the characters that are more on, on the flipper, flip side, the, the little bit darker, and even though they're doing a, a good thing as a whole, and in the end, what they're doing does, you know, it, it's a good thing, and the ending is actually kind of sad in a way, I won't spoil it for anybody, but... Um, yeah, it, uh, it it was refreshing just as an overall story. It, was, it, it kept me it kept me going into it, and um, the side quests I felt weren't so far out of the way that I didn't want to do them. So I actually completed a lot of the side quests as I was going through the game because I felt okay. I have time to do this. I'll go do this real quick, or you know, do that and then get back to the main story. It didn't seem so much out of the way. Where some games, yeah, they have a lot of side quests and things to do, but they're so far out of the way and almost pointless that you know you're like why why and then you end up skipping out on half the game because you skipped all these damn cyclists because you really didn't give a shit uh we're yeah, in 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 this game you know i have you know uh most of the uh like the uh, code red hunts and things were the special monsters they were easy enough to find where yeah you had to go out of your way a little bit but they weren't so far like hard to find that you were spending forever trying trying to find them and get rid of them so i actually did most of the the code red hunts and stuff uh, before i ever got to the end of the game as i was going through i was doing them and i was kind of looking for them on my way when i was exploring dungeons and stuff so if i kind of saw that marker i tried to figure out how to get to them and go kick their ass because you know i was like oh hey i'm gonna do this i'm gonna get this and i can get the get the bonus treasure or money or whatever it is out of it and uh mm-hmm. so you know, it, it was a lot of fun for me. It was uh, it was refreshing. It was something different, and uh, I'm really glad I played it. Unfortunately, now that I've finished it, I actually kind of want to go back and play Zestiria, which, to be honest, I didn't finish because I kind of got a little bored. Um, but now I want to go back and play it because now after playing Bursario, which is not technically a sequel, but it is before timeline-wise uh, in that world before uh, the Last Tales game, and it explains a lot of... Uh, how a lot of things came to be, how the whole Shepherd thing happened, and armatization. And of course, anybody who knows played the Tales games knows what I'm talking about. If if you haven't, you're like, what the hell is he talking about? But it's what it is. <laughs> but it, essentially, it explains where a lot of stuff in in the previous game, how that came to be, where it came from, and how all that. It's a lot of essentially backstory to how a lot of that came to be. So now that I understand it, I kind of want to go back and, and play the other one. Of course, that's not going to be for a while because I got to play horizon and then mass effect and you know other games coming up that i want to play the shit out of so it's just a good time to be a gamer right now there's a lot of good stuff coming out and that's not even including for people that are hyped for the 
Nintendo Switch and everything over there. Yeah, exactly. Dude, you know, you bring up you bring up some really awesome points. Can I can I go off the rail here real quick and just go for it. ask you a couple questions? Okay. All right. So idealism in games has changed so much in my opinion earlier you you mentioned uh, bioware's knights of the old republic one of the one of the best games of all time in my opinion um knights of the old republic one and two i know there's some haters against two but uh still as a series knights of the old republic was a fantastic game but what you what you mentioned here with tales is a little bit of a departure, and I'm seeing this more and more with games that are developed today um, over the past few years, is, um, is a complete departure from this idealistic outcome that if you, um, if you sacrifice yourself or your character's uh, resources or time or you go that extra mile, that you're going to be rewarded that there's going to be a more positive outcome. I think BioWare was one of the first game developers that um, I was exposed to where that wasn't exactly the case. I remember playing through Knights of the Old Republic 1 and you you go down to uh, the underworld of Terrace and you're trying to save these people and, and they end up all all dying because the the because Terrace is, is it Terrace? I'm not sure, whatever that opening planet is is completely raised Telos. by the Empire. Yeah, Telos, that's it. It's <laughs> completely raised. So everybody ends up dying anyway. Um, then you find out, uh, you know, many, many years later in Star Wars The Old Republic, they do a slight continuation of that story. And you find out that they continue to live on. These people that you save, they continue to live on for quite some time before finally dying out in a very uh, sci-horrific uh, coda to to their story and it's and it's kind of disappointing and it's kind of sad after putting all that work and effort into it that that things didn't work out all pretty and nice and wonderful and your positive actions didn't didn't affect the overall outcome of what these people were going to face and i feel like um, I'm seeing that more, not just from a game perspective, but also from from movies, not just the Star Wars universe, but um, games in general. You're seeing this departure from the typical idealism um, that, uh, again, sacrifice, sacrifice of self and sacrifice of resources guarantees this idealistic great outcome or the opposite of that being a you first attitude, your character first attitude. Um, I'm thinking dark side, you extort, you, you kill people willy nilly, and then you end up having to do things the long way. So you're punished. Um, it seems like games are, they're starting to dabble outside of that idealism to where you, you can win. <laughs> you can win being a bad guy because sometimes that happens in real life and you can lose being a good guy because sometimes that happens in real life. Um, you've got a bit more experience than I do outside of games. I have this tendency to, um, or not outside of games, but outside of my typical game range. You know, I'm just now experiencing Mass Effect for the first time <laughs> while you're, you're trying games like Tales. So you've got, you've got more, of, more time spent in a lot of different games and a lot of different genres of games. Are you seeing that as well? Do you see this kind of departure from the, this good versus evil reward versus risk uh, type of mentality with games? Do you think developers are trying to attack it from a different psychological position? Uh, yeah, well, you know, in, in a way, 
they they kind of have to because if if you don't have some sort of change if you keep rehashing the same exact kind of thing people get bored and then they won't buy your next game and yeah you can rehash things and eventually you're going to run into things where this is similar to that or whatever it it's going to happen but you know um it's this thing where you have to have something different and not only that it's it's just oh how do i explain this <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm 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 on board with that idea. It's it's kind of like that. There's there's a lot of change. It's not so um, I guess black and white. I guess is is what I wanted to say there. It's not so much of uh, like you were saying where it's just you know a good or bad, uh, you know light versus dark kind of thing. There there's a lot more gray areas, and and the games are are our video games are starting to really show that and and allow you to explore different things instead of being so one-sided sometimes because for a long time games were very much it's you know you're the good guy there's the bad guy and that's what it is there wasn't anything really in between and, and i think like you said uh nice old republic is one of the earlier games that actually explored some things that were not so much so clear-cut and you know i think that's part of what part of the appeal was and why the uh uh kotor has such a such a cult following so to speak I maybe mean, that's not quite the right word but you know what i'm trying to get at here oh yeah uh, yeah you know, it's got a big following because, you know, it, it's, it, it was one of the leaders in, in that kind of stuff. Now, going back before KOTOR, going back to, say, PlayStation 1 uh, times, I, I can think of a couple of games that, that kind of pushed some boundaries as far as uh, RPG-like games go, uh, one of which, one of my favorite titles for a long time was uh, the original Xenogears. Great freaking game back when Square Enix used to be Square Soft, and they actually produced games other than Final Fantasy. <laughs> um, you know that game wasn't so much a, a good evil that I'm talking about, although that's in there too. But that just uh, hit on a lot of uh, psychological uh, aspects, a lot of uh, stuff from Freud and and things like that, and a lot of different things that you saw throughout that game. Granted, the second disc of that game was rushed as hell, but overall that game was 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 good shit. <laughs> um, but again, the stuff that found, I think the next thing after that would have been, like you said, KOTOR was was really uh, kind of explored some different things as far as choice goes. And I think that's where the real big uh, uh, different choices and things. Uh, KOTOR was really one of the first uh, series of games that really let you do kind of like, you know, remember the old Choose Your Own Adventure books, but as a game and it didn't look like crap and it was fun and it had an engaging story. And uh, I think that's what really uh, made that catch on. But now we're seeing more stuff like that. And I think uh, for Bioware, they learned from that in KOTOR and brought that in a massive effect and you know they've expanded on it and that's the reason why again i think a lot of us are excited for for the new mass effect games because you know their their track record shows we're probably gonna get something amazing as shit and, and it's gonna be fun to play we're gonna dump tons and tons and tons of time into this this piece of art that they've made because games in my opinion are our are, are art and you know we're gonna get to be a part of that and i think it's it's gonna be a good time I think of, dude, you bring up some, <laughs> you bring up some great points. I think of, I think of games too, like um, more recently Fallout 4. If you've had the opportunity to play all the way through Fallout 4, you, you realize when you, when you come to a point in the game where you have to pick a particular faction, one of four, and you're really faced with a, a moral dilemma. And um, I remember asking quite a few of my friends before I chose my side, um, who I was going to pick, and I won't go through you know all the details of of what and where and why and who uh, isn't important. But there are four very different, very um, very rights and very wrongs 
with each one of these four sides. And it really came down to the, the gamer, the user to, to choose not necessarily based on long-term advantage. And I, I feel like for me, I always played blistering light side. And I don't just mean from a Star Wars perspective, but I mean, um, I always played the good guy. Always, 100% of the time, I, I am the person that sacrifices the, the, the resources, the materials, myself, my time, whatever it is to do what is presented to me as the correct thing to do. Um, yes, because that's, that's just how I enjoy to play, but also because the long-term benefits are usually better. So I've kind of been trained that way. Um, to do that. Now, for instance, in Fallout, it didn't exactly work that way. At least it didn't in my opinion. And I tried each one of the outcomes, but I'm, I'm seeing more of the developers dabble with... Um, it, there isn't always a long-term advantage. There isn't always this this training. It's it's really based on what you've observed um, and your personal experience as a gamer, but also as a person, as to what side you choose. And I've I've I remember going back and asking quite a few of my friends that have played through the Fallout Four series, and which side did you choose? And there wasn't a clear winner. Uh, some choose what who appeared to be the antagonist. Some choose who um, appeared to be the the zealots, and um, some choose one <laughs> one of the other two. And it it really seemed to be based more on what the personal experience or the life experience was of the gamer. And I think that's where you see a game truly succeed is where they challenge the gamer not to make a decision based on what reward they're going to receive but on what they perceive as correct or what they perceive as right or what they've perceived as uh, the injustice or justice inside the game system derived from their personal life experience uh i'm seeing more and more of that inside of a game and i'm glad it's just not me <laughs> you know i feel like i'm crazy but that's that is the direction. I think that's the future. People taking the extra time or developers taking the extra time to, to make these decisions more personal to the player and not to a reward system. That is the future. And that's, yeah. that's Sage's rant. <laughs> well, it, well thing I, Sage derailed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here's a couple minute clip. We're going to call these Sage derail. We're to put them out. <laughs> there we go. Never know. Uh, no, but no, you make you make some some solid points, and and I agree with what you're talking about. And uh, I never played through the through Fallout Four. I didn't. Um, my 14 year old son did. <laughs> um, long story there, and, and and you know, I had asked him, you know, when it came to, because I was somewhat aware, because you know, I follow some of this stuff, because I've got other friends that that play and whatnot, and I, um, you know, I had asked him, you know, why did you choose this one over that one? And of course, you know, he had his own little thing about it. While well, these guys are buttheads or you know whatever you know whatever you expect a 14 year old to say you know yeah. so i went with these guys you know and but it, it's great that that games can make us actually um think like that and you know uh, make that choice and we're actually putting things into perspective if if we were that character what would we do 
Um, and I think, you know, aside from, from KOTOR, I think another game that, that helped us do things uh, that also let us expl- really explore our, our dark sides was, uh, and, and you brought up uh, one particular uh, creator earlier, was uh, Fable, the original Fable game. Ah, uh, Peter Molyneux, the OG of hype. Um, <laughs> but although that game was, was overhyped, it was still... It was a great game and fun to play. Granted, it was short. You could probably go through the whole thing in like what eight hours, if yeah. you want. If you wanted to rush, Definitely. if you didn't, if you didn't do all the side stuff. But it was a lot of fun, though. I mean, that was one of the few games. I mean, you couldn't, you could go in and just start murdering everybody in the town just because you felt like being a dick or whatever. You could just go in and and start murdering the crap out of everybody. Of course, then you would have the the entire. Uh, you know, uh, brigade after your ass trying to kill you because you just murdered a bunch of people for fun. Yeah. But, you know, again, it goes back to that whole, you know, uh, that good evil, or like you said, kind of conditioning where we're, we're set to choose certain things. And now we have the choice. Well, is it really that bad? You know, in, in fable, um, that was one of the games where I really started exploring some darker things. Um, um, one of my early playthroughs of that game and I played through that game a couple different times but one of my thing was was I developed you know my my sneaking skills and stuff like that I'd break into the houses kill off the owners so that way it'd be vacant so I could buy it and then rent it out and make money off of it you know that's that's kind of evil but you know you could do it and the game let me do it and so that was a pastime for a while I was just going through towns and murdering people just so I could take all their crap and own everything and just be the you know the evil <laughs> landlord above everybody you know <laughs> yeah and and but it, it lets you explore that side and i think in, in a way we need to be able to to explore some of our more our darker things even if it's not something we would actually do you know we're not you know most you know we're not, not just sitting there going around killing people and stuff like that but you know being able to expect to express those 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 inner i don't want to say desires but whatever you want to call it uh you know more darker thoughts or however you want to look at it and being able to do that in games and, and sometimes you get away with it, sometimes you don't. And, you know, where it's becoming more, I guess, blurred as far as, you know, like you said, it's not always a good thing. Isn't always going to get you a, a good outcome. And in some instances doing that good thing, isn't really a good thing. And I think KOTOR 2 kind of hit on that with one of the little side things where, you, you know, um, the one instance where yeah. when, when you do a good thing, you, 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 you help this person, but then, you give them money or something like that, and then they get fucking lynched afterward and killed because you gave them the money. Yep. <laughs> Essentially, they had a bunch of money, so yep. then other people came in, and you know, so it really makes you think about your actions. Is what you're is this what would be perceived as a good thing really a good thing? Or you know what I'm saying? As far as if you're if you're people trying to, people don't always know what's side. best for them. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, and and it's that kind of stuff that that makes you think, and I think it's great that um this or this art form we call video games is uh really helping us express those things and explore those those ideas and, and thoughts and things and that's why i think right now once again i've said it before you know this is a great time to be a gamer there's uh not only just because of, of the games releasing but just you know the art form itself is has really grown a lot over the years you know um we you know we're not in our our teens or our 20s you know we're 30s sad <laughs> but it, you know it is what it is on, on the other hand uh the good thing is is you know we we grew up with with gaming and granted when we were younger gaming wasn't exactly the popular thing that's for sure at least i know when i was in school you didn't really admit to being a gamer too much um no no you were god they they would put you up on a stake <laughs> it was rough dude 
Yeah. There yeah. was no there was no admitting to be a nerd. Um, or you know, you and I used to play around with uh, Dungeons and Dragons back in the day, or yeah. or uh, just sharing our mutual love for for RPGs was. Like I was thrilled to meet somebody else that that shared those interests, and uh, yeah, like you said, it was you didn't share that openly. You know, even even among close friends and peers, you were very. There was a certain way to approach sharing with them. Oh, by the way, um, I got to tell you that you know I have this secret thing that I I kind of like to do. Um, yeah you know don't take it the wrong way and they're like well are you are you gay no 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 no. it's it's not like it's not that kind of coming out of the closet like I'm, I'm a nerd you know it was a big it was a big deal it was a really big deal yeah yeah actually even then i think if you would have told someone hey i'm gay they would have taken it easier than you know i'm a super gamer or into rpgs or anime or whatever uh to be honest um depending on who you were around that could be you know People just had this weird stigma about gaming, especially, you know, RPGs and, 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 and stuff like that. There's just this weird stigma that was surrounding it where essentially if you were a gamer, that meant you were going to be that dude who was 45, single, never been laid and living in grandma's basement, you yeah. know, uh, essentially. Yeah. So people didn't want to associate with you. But now uh, it, it's like gaming has become, has become this thing where... <laughs> You know, everybody can enjoy it, and, and, and that's great because, you know, it, it's not just, you know, the lone, like I said, the lone little 14-year-old male masturbating in the corner or whatever, you know. It's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of people. It's, it's and not to get back on the Nintendo thing, but Nintendo helped with that some, let's face it. Um, yeah, granted, N64 stuff, but, like, the Wii and stuff helped a lot because it... Um, you know the whole family gameplay and things like that. Whether you wanna, whether you like the Wii or hated the Wii, makes no difference. But it did help the gaming community become much larger. Grandmas yeah. and grandpas and mothers and, and grandsons and granddaughters and stuff all got together to play on this this one machine, and that's part of what makes gaming great. And it's why I'm proud to be you know uh, a gamer. You know whether you're you know uh, a gamer who's who's been gaming for a long time or recent or you know you're male female in between whatever it doesn't matter you know we all come together to play these fun games and experience this art and, and i think that's just that's just an amazing thing absolutely it's changed it, the landscape of interaction uh socially culturally i can't i can't begin to explain or fathom myself the the deep impact it's had on me being able to play multiplayer games not not sitting next to somebody on the couch you know <laughs> you know by the way footnote we are the last generation you and i and uh and some other millennials but uh i you know i was born in 1985 we we're part of the last generation that lived before social media uh before multiplayer games were were played via the internet we sat on a couch you invited your your friend over to your house and, which means you had to have already invested in a second controller or they already have a second controller, which they brought with them from their house to your house. Mm -hmm. And usually they were dropped off by one of their parents. <laughs> yeah. There was this whole system before for multiplayer gaming. Now you just do that via the internet. And that seems, you know, we take that for granted, but um, things have changed so much and how we interact. I have friends 
and I'm very particular about who I call a friend, but I have friends, people that I truly, truly trust in Scotland, in London, in Denmark, in Sweden. And I know that at any time I could, I could pick up the phone, pick up Twitter or pick up Discord or whatever social media that we have that's on the internet and reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be there in 24 hours. Uh, do you know where I can stay? And they would say, come and stay with me, dude. <laughs> like We'll play some division. Things have changed so much. Uh, and games have allowed that to, to be a vehicle for people to do that. Um, it, it's just, a, it, it's so different from when you and I first started. It's huge. It's absolutely huge now. I don't, I don't think the younger folks are going to be able to appreciate that as, as we do, having, having uh, experienced that firsthand ourselves. Uh, yeah, you, you make uh, a lot of great points there. And um, really, I think that's a whole conversation we can have uh, on another episode, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, re- re- really, uh, we can really dig deep into that. There, there's a lot there. And, you know, um, I feel the same. There, there's a lot of people I've gamed with uh, on you know, PlayStation Four, where you know I've got friends in you know in uh, several friends over over in in Europe, or um, one of my f- favorite guys that I used to game with on Killzone all the time, Smoke. You know, he he's in Finland. You know, and I call this guy a friend. You know, we we you know we talk and, and whatnot. It's uh, the landscape is definitely uh, changed. And like you said, you know, you were born in '85, I was born in '81. You know, we're in our 30s, and you know things are going to change more. But you know, uh, you know, we are the last generation that that really couch co-op and and there's times and I, and I hate, almost hate to say this where I almost miss uh couch co-op being a thing because mm-hmm. there's some games where it would be good you know let's say you you've got your family um or whatever and it would have been useful to me back when my uh now ex-wife uh when we she did game you know there's a lot of times we uh, one of our things was uh you know the games in order to do multiplayer we had to do two consoles and the things in the same house just so we could play multiplayer because there was no couch co-op and so in that respect sometimes it can be a detriment and that's where once again going back to nintendo the the wii the wii was it was a great system because everything was pretty much local local multiplayer co-op and and cool. and that really helped and that's something i think as much as i love the internet and, and how things work. And, and it's great that social media has helped so much that we can have friends in, like you said, Scotland or, or Finland or, you know, Russia, China, wherever, Japan, you know, you name it, and we can get together with them and play these games. That That's great, but I think we need to not forget, and I, and I see it kind of happening where, you know, so many games, you know, there's no local co-op. And um, with some games, I feel we still need to keep that because, again, there's still families, there's still people living in the same house. Maybe you have roommates you want to play with or whatever, and that's where having less co-op, I see where you know there's been too much focus on the online, and sometimes I feel like you know we've kind of lost touch a little bit because we don't have that anymore. There's 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 kind of like that separation. Well, they can get online and play, so you know why do you need to have the local co-op? Well. You know, so it's it's kind of social interactivity has changed, and and that's great. But again, don't settle. Right. Don't settle. You know, you can you can be anywhere in the world in less than twenty four hours. We have we have the technology now. I think um, that's that's one thing I'd I'd like to challenge myself on is be able, you know, take it to the next level. We're all about leveling up. Level up your real life. Uh, Go and sit on the couch and play these games with these folks. Bring your Xbox. Hop on a plane. Uh, I've got great friends in London. Go to London. 
you know, they, they'd be happy to have you go to London, level up and, uh, and play next to some of your best friends on there. And I think that's, dude, you're so right. Listen to us patting each other on the back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, if it's something that are, that you really want as a gamer, I think it's absolutely possible. Whereas whereas twenty years ago, uh, saving up for a flight to go to just to London would have been a lot of money for for what any normal gamer, uh, what any average Joe would be making. Um, it would have been a, a feat to undertake. It would have been saving up quite a bit of money for a very, very long time. But now, if you really wanted to make a go at it, you save up for, you know, six months to a year if it's really, really important to you, whatever your your bills allow. But it's within grasp. You know, I think for standard folks, within 12 months, uh, you could have what you wanted to go and do something for a few days with some of the people that you really like. So, um and I, I see that happening. I really do. I, I see more and more gamers and streamers going to other countries and doing um, more social activities with other people. Uh, and gaming has opened that door for them. And I think, I think the younger generation or, or possibly this next generation, not the one after millennials, but this next one that are just babies now, they're going to be doing a lot more portable gaming and they're going to be doing a lot more um, social type gaming. Because it's not going to be enough to just stream with somebody or or hop in the same um, party chat as you know X Y and Z over in some other country. You're you're going to want to be there with them and and share the stream in the same shot with the same camera uh, online with them. I think that's going to be the next big. Thing, so, but like you said, that's a that's a chat for a whole other time. Yes, yes. Um, actually, uh, we're getting kind of short on time. We're coming close to the end here. So, uh, any uh, any closing statements or anything to uh, kind of wrap this up toward the end of our show here, our first show with more to come. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, as uh, I, I am Orenji Iro Sage, first of all, and and second of all, I want to thank each and every person who has taken the opportunity um, out of their personal life, out of their personal time. Um, or out of their spare time or out of their set aside time from the family to, to listen to our podcast and list us drone on a bit about um, our personal experience with games and, uh, and what it's meant to us. And hopefully you've had the opportunity to, um, to relate, to relate a bit to that. And uh, I think that's what, I don't want to speak too much for you, Silas, but uh, it, uh, that's kind of what you and I want. We we wanted to to reminisce, but also talk about what's coming out and, and take a more personal uh, view to to what we see in games and our personal experience. So I want to thank you guys so much from Sage to you for taking the opportunity to listen to our podcast and uh, and listen to us talk about what we love to do so much. All right. Yes. Um. Fully fully hear you there yes thank you everybody anybody who takes the time to listen whether you whether you listen for five minutes or or the whole episode you took the time to at least give us the chance uh thank you so much for 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 coming and, and downloading or streaming which however you're getting a hold of uh our wonderful voices <laughs> and just giving giving us a chance and hopefully um you'll come back and, and listen more and uh Maybe throw us a few questions on Twitter or whatever. We also do plan to have some some guests down the road from uh, different places that uh, Sage and I have, have gamed with. Uh, if you don't know already, I am uh, a part of a uh, really, really big adult gaming clan, Gunslinger 
uh, gaming. Um, I plan on having a couple of the guys that I've gamed with frequently from there uh, come and uh, be guests. I know uh, Sage probably knows a few people from different uh, different communities he's been Absolutely. a part of that uh, we're going to try to get on his guests and get them included in some of our conversations. So please, uh, if you've already listened to this one, take the time to uh, come back and, and check us out in the future. Give us that chance to capture your attention and uh, and uh, show you that uh, we're going to put out a, a worthwhile show to, to listen to. And uh, like Sage said, uh, hopefully you can uh, kind of connect with a little bit of what we're saying uh, about a lot of this stuff. And uh, thank you so much for just coming and, and checking us out, giving us that opportunity, and we will catch you in the next episode in about uh, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, two weeks. Sounds good. All right. This has been My Life in Games with Silas and Sage, and we are out of here. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>